today um, we have with us Dr. Vidya Nair, she is a psychologist and holistic trainer. Uh, she is also a certified hypnotherapist and has expertise in healing anxiety, depression, anger management, identity issues, and phobia. She has been counseling years. Her therapy helps in healing them over worries that are pulling them down. ಸ್ಟರ್ಬೆನ್ಸ್ರದರ್ Yes. Is everyone on mute? Yeah. I couldn't hear you clearly while you were talking. Okay. <laughs> yes. Hello, everyone. As uh, Dimple uh, you know, introduced me, I am a psychologist. I am a holistic doctor. So in my career, I started as an MBBS doctor. And while I was practicing as an MBBS doctor, I... had a lot of realizations in my practice about healthcare about um, how people look at healing and how it is a very uh, you know hollow perspective towards healing yeah thank you so much for muting your mics yes so in that uh, journey is when i realized the importance of the mind in this process of healing and i've always been keen on uh, understanding behavior human behavior that my curiosity has always taken me there uh, it's only when i started working as a doctor i was mostly in intensive care and during this time in intensive care uh, i saw a lot of uh, what you call as miracles happening around me because as doctors uh, we uh, measure it otherwise and we would look at it otherwise right and that's when i realized that i need to look into it more and uh, change my approach towards healing a little bit compared to uh, you know this narrow perspective of just looking at it from the perspective of only the physical science and not the other perspective that is the mental science that we need to look at the psychological the emotional aspects of healing that we need to consider as well in this process of healing yes. and that is when i uh, got on this journey of studying yes go ahead i think uh, something is not right maybe it's your mic or something because yeah not able to hear you clearly um, yeah it's it's let different than the usual one one second please let me just check on my I'm sorry about that. Is it clearer or is not very clear for you? Uh I might just disconnect my earphones then. Hold on. Yeah, some echo is there. Atul you going to saying audio not clear. Some kind of echo is coming. Now can you hear me clearly? Oh yes. <laughs> very different. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I just connected my earphones. So yes um, that is a brief description about what I do I do use a very holistic approach towards healing my education has taught me the biological aspect of healing and uh, then the psychology part has taught me the emotional and uh, mental well-being required in the process of healing and I inculcate both you know the study of the mind and the body in the process of healing for my clients okay great so um, how did you come to the field of cancer so uh, when i started uh, working as i said i was in intensive care 
And more than that, I've, I've had incidents in my life where uh, when I was young, I had a cousin, like a, I was very young back then. And she was diagnosed with a very rare disease uh, back then. It was called scleroderma. And I was only, I was a curious biology student. So I was always questioning about uh, when even when she got diagnosed with it, how it happened, what happened and all of these things. And a part of me always questioned from a different perspective in the sense that because I knew how she struggled mentally. I know she had a lot of uh, struggles in her life as at the personal front. I understood her burdens that she was carrying. And somewhere I questioned, has that got anything to do with uh, what she's going through. I did have a question then, but obviously being a biology student, I was like, that doesn't make sense, you know, and I was a kid then. So I was like, that doesn't make sense. How can that be? How can something emotional show in your body? How can something, uh, when someone's not going through a good uh, mental health, go show in my body? I didn't have that awareness back then as a child, as I was maybe like ninth or eighth, seventh or eighth or something like that. Then after that, uh, after my MBBS, I had another relative a very close relative who was diagnosed with cancer. And when he was diagnosed with cancer, and I knew about their conditions, family conditions as well, I understood that there has to do something with the environment that the individual is going through, that what is going on in their mind, the emotional space somewhere. Because even when we study about cancer and as a medical student, we do know that, yes, of course, there's, you know, predisposing conditions. Uh, there are some prerequisites. There are uh, prerequisite factors like genetics and all of these things that do come into picture. But none of the studies tell us that it is the reason that the cancer develops. It is not definite. It is a maybe that maybe it is this, 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 or this. Yes. And then, of course, I studied more about it. And when I studied more about it, I came onto the field of epigenetics which is recent, this uh, field of epigenetics, which, is, which came about in the 90s, 1990s, and where it talks about that genetic is not all. Right? For a long time, we've always been talking about genes being responsible for everything, our gen genetics being responsible for everything that happens in our body. But we also know that uh, individuals who have uh, cancerous genes not having developed cancer. Right. We've all seen that, that not all people who have the genes develop cancer or some or conditions requisite to that uh, gene. So that's where epigenetic came into picture, where scientists have uh, found out that, you know, there's environmental triggers and signals that stimulate these genes and trigger them and activate them. You know, that's how the genes become active. Right? So that environmental stimulus is needed for this. And, you know, I got more and more. I will be talking about more about it in this session. But yes, that's how somewhere I understood the, you know, both the aspects of the biological factor as well as the environmental factor playing a role in this uh, field of cancer. I'm sorry, I cannot hear you. You're on mute, darling. So when we talk about cancer patients and uh, when they are diagnosed, when you hear it first time in your family, somebody's having it, um, nobody's prepared to deal with such situations and it comes all of a sudden. Uh, you don't know what to do, where to go. You uh, hear from anybody and everybody, whoever comes as a well-wisher. And um, 
though if even if the medical treatment is set even if you know now medically what needs to be done there's a lot of things needs to be done on the mental emotional and the complementary point of view as well and uh, like just before healing circle i was talking to somebody and she said yeah i come from the doctor's family now uh, my father has been diagnosed and um, we have started the medical treatment but that's not it i am still not content i'm still you know looking for more options and uh, um yeah and then she was asking me about how we as a family get the consultation uh because uh, okay fine uh, financially maybe yes there are certain ways you can help us but then even when that is sorted still uh, something more i'm looking for and then i when i was talking to her kind of understood what she's going through uh because uh, just two three weeks back her father has been diagnosed as advanced stage cancer so um so she was asking for any counseling or anything that will help her her mother her father and the entire family because she was like a lot is going on and uh, nobody is happy of course they will not be happy but nobody is even you know like um, there's always stress anxiety fear and all of those things coming into place and we want him to behave in this way but he is not behaving in this way he is behaving in another way like yeah, that's very pretty normal is the caregiver patient tussle which happens always so what will be your metrics or what you want to say to those families who in, uh, in the families where somebody has been diagnosed with cancer recently yes very rightly put uh, not just the person who's diagnosed with the cancer but also the caregivers are uh, in a tussle in the sense of not mentally uh, ready first of all to deal with that situation because uh, you know when we are put in that situation it's like hitting a wall because you're not prepared for it first of all and mentally it's a big turmoil because suddenly uh, you're facing something you don't have you're not equipped with to face you don't know what to do about and again there's all the information and knowledge that you get about it is not enough because it gives it's all very negative that you hear mostly when you hear about it so for a family who's dealing with it i understand that all that you're hearing might not be in your favor and all that you're seeing might not be in your favor right now but you know accepting that situation is the first thing that we have to do and that is very tough for anyone who goes through because knowing how i've seen my family you know go through this and I'm, is there audio problem still i'm so sorry i'm not sure what here uh, but i think somebody is mentioning there's audio problem but is i can hear you hear for everyone else yeah mehul can you hear yeah you okay. can hear. Right. Okay. so during this situation the first step for everyone in the family because it's a shock state uh, that you're put into first is just sit down and first just accept it and talk about it amongst yourself as well right because first few things normally in indian families what happens is once someone comes to know about something which is so dangerous they kind of shush it either or uh, you know like for example if uh the child is diagnosed with it the parents are like no no don't tell him or uh don't tell anyone else and uh and now there is a very a lot of confusion amongst uh the family members either of them don't know how to behave and either of them don't know what is the reason each of them is behaving a certain way right just like you said the parents as uh you know ex- uh, expect the child maybe to uh, behave a certain way be more responsible because they are upset that the child is going through something like this now the child has his own problems now if you only communicate about it is when you can eat both of you will understand that both of you are in a vulnerable state and that's okay and that really helps to take on the challenges which are coming ahead 
but most of the times it's a lot of miscommunication that happens during the situation and that's not needed in such a situation most importantly what you need is a lot of trust amongst yourself a lot of love and compassion a lot of support uh within your family to deal with the situation together and not divided right because when you're together in this process to deal with it each of y'all can somewhere be there for each other and support each other well yes so the tussle uh, can reduce if you communicate about it however difficult it may be i know it it is difficult and that is the reason a lot of us avoid it a lot of us be like uh, we'll do it tomorrow or later and just uh, hide into the cocoons and deal with them by themselves and what happens is each one is now in their cocoon and trying to deal with it by themselves which is more difficult but if you actually communicated with each other it might be easier to understand and be there for each other and for counseling purposes yes i do believe that if if i are in a situation if you're not finding it you're finding it difficult to talk to each other or talk to anyone even close to you please do seek professional help because you know sometimes we are scared of judgment to show our vulnerability and that's one of the reasons like for example fatherly figures you know fatherly figures are very uh, strong and independent and they have this big role model that they have to play and they don't don't show their vulnerability and they might be going through a lot of uh, mental stress or emotional burden or baggage that they're carrying and feeling uh, you know not in control of themselves but they don't they don't show it and they that might take a toll on you even physically yes because that's not needed in your process of healing so seeking for help is a very important step here if you are unable to do it amongst yourself so that is i think that is one of the most important stuff which should be inculcated in any therapy uh, in treatment of, of cancer right 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 and um, can you share some of the tips which can help a uh, patient uh, separately and then tell you separately uh, to strengthen their bond especially when they are going through the situation like i was again talking to a patient uh, yesterday mm-hmm. uh, we like uh, the first time we talked and we kept on talking for like one and a half two hours at midnight mm-hmm. and then he shared lots of things what he is doing for his mother so mm-hmm. um, the mother was living in the joint family before so she mm-hmm. took her uh, out from that away from the family so that mm-hmm. she could focus on herself because usually moms are you know, want to be doing everything for everyone Mm-hmm. so so they started treatment in some other state some other city and uh, he is you know ensuring that um though uh, if he says okay mom you need to drink this and if at that time she is not drinking it she will drink it after 4 hours 5 hours to wo 4 5 ghante tak the son is in stress ki are aur fir wo relation bhi kharab ho rahi hai ki aapne push kar rahe ho and then she is not in mood to have it at that time so he was like i've been doing certain things such as agar unhone pee liya hai agar dawai le li hai to he will leave a sticky note with smiley there agar nahi piya hai to he will leave the sad note there and mm-hmm. okay mom let's write something together uh, if you want to share you share with me otherwise keep it with you but let's write something together or if mom says that okay i want to do satsang okay let's do it right now so giving her freedom at the same time you know when she doesn't follow a few things like medicine and all then there is a tussle so now he is trying his best i mean the best to ensure that mom recovers because some of the doctors has given up but i still see a lot of hope in her recovery and she can recover for sure and he also sees the same so uh, so some of the tips which you think can help patient caregiver both to strengthen their relation in the situation when they are going through it together absolutely so one thing that you mentioned about when you know uh, when he is trying to do uh, tell his mother to take uh, medicines or water whatever drink something and she doesn't and then 
he goes through like for three, four hours, uh, an emotional turmoil. Now for the caregivers, most of the caregivers, most of the time the caregivers are working from a space of, uh, you know, unconditional love. Yes. Towards them. Absolutely. Because suddenly when you, someone you love is, you get to know is going through something difficult and is in a difficult situation, you tend to take on the full responsibility of that person. You're like, no, now I'm going to take care of everything. Just like you mentioned that he took his mother away from that space and said that now I'm going to take care of her. Right? I understand. But at this situation, what happens is we try to control everything now. Because we think that they might not be able to and you know, we need to do everything for them. And I understand that. But at the same time, a little bit of freedom, which you as mentioned, is needed. So in this space, what you can understand, try to help your, how you can try to help yourself is when she doesn't listen, for example, if you told uh, her to have a glass of milk and she doesn't listen at that point of time, just take a moment and pause and look at yourself and tell you, ask yourself, what is it that is making me so frustrated and angry right now? Right? Because I'm trying to control her somewhere, but there might be a reason that she's not drinking it right now. Yes. So do keep a delay, uh, a moment for, for yourself and tell yourself, okay, you know what? I'm going to check after it after four hours. So now what am I doing to my thoughts is I'm giving it an answer. I'm giving it like a solution. That because otherwise my thoughts will keep going. Did she drink it? Did she not drink it? Uh, is she going to drink it? What will happen if she doesn't drink it? My thoughts will keep going and going on and on and on. Right? I'll go into that loop. So now I'll just keep a system. Like, okay, I'll ask her once and then I'll ask her after three hours. So a system can be you know, given to your mind to pacify your mind. That, okay, I'll check after three to four hours. At the same time, it's... You know, someone who's going through something difficult may not be in the mental state to sometimes feel good about anything and maybe really feel, feeling really, really low uh, in a situation. I might not be able to do a few things that are told by the doctor being thinking that, you know, they almost reach a hopeless outlook sometimes knowing that they're going through such a, uh, you know, dangerous condition, which is very, very serious and makes them go through all those kind of patterns of thinking. Now, you have to try and understand that Sometimes they might not feel like doing things because they feel like what's the point and have a hopeless outlook. So in this situation now, just instead of pressurizing uh, the patient and telling them, no, you need to do this or you wouldn't have this and all of these things, just let them be for a while. And after a while, ask them, you know, maybe tell them to do something which helps them feel more active or happy or joyful, right? Some activities like that. So for example, because energy stores in us in some way or the other, right? Suppressed emotions, that is sadness, resentment, frustration, all of these emotions store in us in some way or the other. So during this time, now what you can do, both of you can involve yourself in some activity instead. So if you've noticed that she's not being herself or she's not listening or she's not uh, doing the same thing as she was doing yesterday, there might be a reason behind that. Maybe you don't know what it is. That's okay. Maybe you're not willing to talk about it. Maybe she's not willing to talk about it. Okay. Give each other the time and space to take a pause for that. But involve yourself in some activity where you can increase your bond somewhere. And both of you all can have a mutual understanding that, okay, for now I've kept this task aside and we're having fun. So for example, activities like uh, listening to music, sketching, drawing, dancing, walking, all of these activities release this energy somewhere. So now what's happened is if she is in a low mental health, mental state, right? Like emotionally, if she's in a low state, that is released somewhere. And then that, you know, those uh, endorphins which come out of your body will make you feel motivated to do more. Yes. 
because that is what we don't understand normally we just look at the behavior we don't try to understand the emotions behind it maybe the thought process behind it might be difficult so now individually what you can do to understand your thoughts is journaling now this is very very uh, helpful in both the cases the patient and the care- caregiver as i said when a caregiver gets into a situation of taking care of someone they tend to neglect themselves as well and they don't understand the importance of themselves being healthy as well in this process of giving care to someone else right so it's very important for you also to understand your thoughts and understand your emotional state so for this process both the caregiver and the individual uh, the patient both of them can understand their thoughts better if they start journaling it whenever there is an emotional turmoil and most of the time when we start writing we feel like you know someone will uh, read it or someone will uh, I'll judge it or even even you judge it at times thinking that uh, you know i shouldn't feel this way or i shouldn't be talking this way but that's okay it will help you get clarity so journaling really really helps in understanding your thoughts and then only can you work on it so going to the thought level is very important at this basis and activities of course as i mentioned involving each other in activities which does not has got nothing to do with your treatment has got nothing to do with your uh, medicines and uh you know just for a few men moments forget about uh the cancer forget about the illness forget about the situation that you're in allows you to have those moments of joy with each other which will help us you know be keep it healthy rather than keep it frustrated that he's not listening and or uh, the patient feeling i'm feeling too pressurized by my son to uh do things and then feeling you know instigated at times so that helps a lot got it great uh, and it's really helpful and some of the things which i what i always share with patients when they are uh, uh, newly diagnosed uh, that uh, of course it comes with the shock so it's important that we deal with that first and uh, if it's non emergency situation then all those non emergency decisions can be then uh, taken later so Absolutely. first you know just um, absorb what has just happened and then eat good food a good lifestyle and talk to people and then gradually plan how you want to take it forward from here now so as the shock wears off begin to you know think about taking medical decisions because medical decisions are irreversible so whatever you are taking uh, deciding it has to be accurate because we cannot take any chance with that and with the uh, with the diagnosis there can be pain as well so Absolutely. it's important to address pain then and there because um, otherwise you cannot think in a straight direction and then uh, we find a very uncomfortable situation when we are in pain so we don't think about cancer anything else we just want to get rid of this pain right now and then uh, one of the mistake which people usually do is rushing into the treatment mm-hmm. so if it's not uh, because you know when the moment they hear the word cancer they feel like or i would say we feel like uh, we are running out of time and it's spreading and it's fast growing aggressive but it's not always the case okay. so you always have couple of days before you rush into any treatment what treatment should i go for take multiple opinions and then decide what is the exact course of treatment okay. for you so and then many people also regret that they rushed into the treatment without fully understanding the choices that are available to them uh and also um, they are uh, you must be knowing with many people they are anxious or they are in depression with the diagnosis yes. and yeah so some of the things like uh, meditation or exercise or prayer okay. or uh, uh, walking into the nature playing with the pet like mehul is doing right now so mm-hmm. all of these things helps a lot yes. <laughs> oh yeah having a pet helps absolutely a lot it's like a blessing in this guys uh, uh yeah. to have a pet 
definitely yes, absolutely as i said and you know physical activity i have seen has shown wonders um, in this uh, line of treatment because as i mentioned you know this all of this energy gets stored somewhere in our body when we don't talk about it it is somewhere stored in our mind and body so if you if you notice somewhere you'll have muscle tension in your neck or shoulder uh, your jaw muscles and all of these things and when you involve yourself in physical activity somewhere there's an outlet to let it out and that's most important and slowly and steadily when you allow yourself to freely let out this uh, emotional energy that you've collected you can even start interacting in words with your people around you and you get that confidence to do that but we are so conditioned to suppress it right about anything about even our normal emotions we're not used to talking about it but it's important and very rightly said that you know there's no need to rush into treatment there's no uh, need to be like you have to act on it now because it, it sounds so dangerous you have to think about it and you have to think about what you want to do about it and not get overwhelmed with just the diagnosis right because uh, it happens we get so overwhelmed with it that we tend to and we're in a shock state and normally in a shock state it, our mind expects us to do something about it you're like no no we need to do something right now and that tends to be hasty decisions at times so discuss it with your family do good research right and there's so many modalities of healing right do research on it and make a decision for yourself right this yeah and yeah. one of the thing which we all can relate here is you know when somebody is going through the treatment now not mm-hmm. the recently diagnosed they already know about the treatment and the complementary treatment and all the healing choices available uh now you are taking the treatment and you are having side effects and yes because of the expensive treatment you are in stress all the time so mm-hmm. what would uh, be your suggestion to take the stress uh, away and uh, we all all the time say be positive but then it's really difficult to be positive during that time when you know that you are having very bad side effects you are running out of money and again the 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 other person your spouse or maybe uh, parent they have to take care of you all the time how can you be positive and happy at that time yes so yeah i understand that during the situation when you are going through side effects and where you have uh, all the negative aspects of this journey healing journey coming about you at this point of time uh, it gets very overwhelming and sometimes you feel like just giving up i understand we all have seen situations and i have seen situations with my clients during this time where they've gone through uh you know going through chemotherapies and losing hair and uh, not being able to face people now during this time i all i would like each one of you to just focus on is that yes this is a part of this healing process and it is temporary that is all you can tell yourself that this is not in my control right now and that's okay right because sometimes when things go out of our control we feel like everything is going to go wrong and you know we won't this won't get better but this is just a small part of the healing journey it's not the entire picture yes it's not the end yes it is a part it is a hurdle it's a challenge in the way and once you overcome this you're going to see the better part of it right so during this time i know it's very difficult to see uh, talk positive or see positive but just accepting that you know what okay this is not in my control right now but all i can control myself control is myself and tell myself i just need to get through this somewhere and i'll get through this and just keep reinforcing it to yourself and even your loved ones being like you know however difficult it is accepting that it is difficult and i'm i'm having the worst time of my life but you know i'm just going to take one baby step at a time and just keep going and that's all i can do right now just keep going 
that's it and no other pressure of trying to be positive no other pressure of trying to feel good about it nothing just be like okay yes this is not in my control but i'm just going to take one step at a time and keep going yes i'm not feeling good about it it is a difficult time but right now i'm just going to look at the end and hope i'll get there soon and just keep going one step at a time because keeping a goal in mind a picture in mind keep actually motivates you to keep going right when we look at now and we like you know this doesn't look good we tend to feel like the end is not good but if i have this goal and normally in my clients with my clients i have young clients with me and i tell them you know uh, if you're losing hair so i try to tell them now what is the good thing out of this that you can do what can you do of this situation so i have a young student she's a client and uh, she told me okay so you know i'm going to start wearing colorful wigs now so i was like okay great so would you been uh, doing that before it's like no i wouldn't have but i think i'm uh, going to try wearing colorful wigs now I, and it was very wonderful to see how positively she was taking it but at the same time she was not doing well and i told her okay you know what it's okay if you're not doing well right now and it's okay if you're not able to deal with the situation sometimes sometimes we pressure ourselves so much to be fighters and to be always feeling good that puts unnecessary pressure on ourselves and gets too much to handle but sometimes it's okay to say you know you know i'm not doing okay and uh, but i'm just going to get through this and that's it yes it's all right to say that because that itself is very relieving to finally not to put on a brave face and say you know okay everything's not okay but i'm putting on a brave face sometimes it's okay to say that i'm not okay but i'm going to get through this and what about when uh, any doctor tells you that you have six months to live which is not always true Yes. so how do you handle such situations yes so from what i have studied and i know this is the part which limits us in our thinking when the doctor itself tells you that you know you have 6 months to live now we individuals we don't have the knowledge as doctors if a patient goes to a doctor the doctor according to them has the all the knowledge about this disease and so we believe whatever they tell us yes i understand that I absolutely understand that of course we've done studies and research and according to the doctor's knowledge the doctor has given us this timeline absolutely okay but all i want each one of y'all who has been either told or know or you know if someone you have know has been told this you can tell them you know yes okay that is the doctor is saying but you also have an ability to think otherwise and not believe that yes i know it's very difficult and i know people will be like how can that be <laughs> doctor the doctor said it's 6 months yes now this is where i would like to talk about something is that a belief systems and how it affects our body right so we all have uh, two programmings in our body one is a healing programming now healing is a natural programming in our body our body is naturally programmed to heal anything so for example if we get a wound we if we don't do anything and don't apply an ointment it does heal by itself right so our body has its own intelligence to heal anything and everything in the body yes unless of course traumatic injuries like accidents or something where you need surgical interventions of course but most of the time the body has its own intelligence of healing now what happens is this healing mechanism of our body and this programming has been altered over the years because the new belief system has been developed for very 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 long since a very long time that we've started depending on other things for healing and not 
happened is we started believing that uh, we need medications, we need that, this and that for everything to be okay and all of these things, right? Of course, in some situations we do, and, but if that belief system were to change, for example, if I had put in a programming into my body saying that, yes, I can survive through this uh, six months and maybe more. I know my body and my body will live more than six months. Now, this is the programming I have instilled into my mind. Now, my body has to listen to it because that is how the mind and body works if I instill this programming. And that has to be done repetitively because it has, re- it has to reach a subconscious. And the subconscious mind is what controls you 90% of the time. Right? So, for example, um, let me tell you for how a subconscious act works. Like, so, for example, how we learn driving. Driving is a learned behavior, right? Now, when we learn to drive, First time we learn to drive, we're very conscious about everything, you know, where the steering wheel is, where's the uh, rear view mirror, where's, uh, where to look at, where's the actuator, brake and clutch and everything. So very consciously, now we've gained this knowledge about this driving act. Now, every time I do it again and again and again, it becomes automatic after point of time. And after months now, I don't even have to look. I just put in the keys and my cast starts and I my hand and legs are automatically moving. I can even talk to my friend and the driving kit back does is done automatically now because it's become a subconscious programming in our mind, right? Now this is how a subconscious programming works uh, in our body. Any programming. So if we can learn an act, a motor act, we can also learn beliefs and programming we can other programming that we can give ourselves, right? So now if I give my mind a programming that, okay, I I can do this, I am enough. And I keep telling myself this. Somewhere in my subconscious, it will go and store. And unknowingly, because subconscious is not in our control, unconsciously, your body will start acting according to that programming. And the cells also will start listening. Because the signal sent from your nervous system to the cells is like, you know what, you need to act now. The signals from your mind will go to your cells like, you know what, you need to start working now. You need to start start, uh, Recovering and growing and not being protective mechanism rather than growth, uh, rather being growth mechanism. Because our body can either be in growth or protective mechanism. That's how our body works. Most of the time, when we hear danger, our body goes into protective mechanism. So protective mechanism is conservatory mechanism in the sense that it we start to try to do everything with this much stunted, inhibited space. Like, you know, try to protect or conserve everything that we have. We're trying to protect our body, right? So, for example, when you get to know about a diagnosis or a disease, we go into protective mechanism. We're like, okay, this is going to happen. This danger is going to happen. So, I'm going to do everything to save myself from this danger. But if we change that to a growth mechanism, wherein I tell myself, okay, this has happened, but I can change this. I'm going to grow from this. I can learn from this and change that perspective in my mind. Now, I'm allowing myself, self and my cells. You know, my brain is telling myself, you know what, grow even in this environment now that we've developed. You need to grow even now. And now I'm giving, you know, allowing and giving opportunities to myself to learn new things to develop. And you, in the journey, it is a lot of things that a person, each individual uh, respectfully learns and develops in this process. So yes, all I would tell a person who's been told this is, you know what, I agree, your doctor has told you something, but you do have a choice to believe otherwise and you do have a choice to Believe in your body and your body's intelligence and you can tap into it and you can access it. You can uh, try to break free from this pattern, which may have developed from some other reason altogether. Because 
um, science is ever growing and you know i don't think this is this is the only knowledge that there is about cancer and all the illness there is there is much 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 more and why not look into that perspective right very well said and we all experience it all the time yeah so uh, this one you know a question which is coming to my mind right now is the uh, power of attraction which has been asked in the healing circle many times before as well and i'm very curious to know this answer that how the the power of attraction works that you are thinking something and then it happens with you maybe immediately maybe after a couple of years so how yeah. does that happen yes uh, it has happened with me so many times i and this is from my personal experiences i can tell you that uh, it's only after i uncovered my limiting beliefs right because again as i said you know in our society we've been conditioned with a lot of limiting beliefs telling us that you can only do this you can't do this you can do this you're a girl you need to behave a certain way or um you are from this uh, space you can only think like this you can only behave like this right which limits our true nature now if you look at humans we are actually a part of a bigger environment like a bigger source right we are all a part of this whole ecosystem where there are plants mountains wind water everything land and all of these we are all part of this we are all one unit and if you look at physics if you look at from the physics right physics uh, quantum physics and all uh, sources of physics have said that there is no no energy which is created nor destroyed right so if you think about it the whole entire earth is always in balance in the sense of equilibrium maintaining that total amount of energy whichever that is that for example 100 i'm just saying right 100 is the energy that this entire earth has now there is neither created nor destroyed now if you think about it so we are part of that 100 watt source of energy right and we or each individual is a part of that now if you think about it then we do have a lot of energy within us which is somewhere contributing to this universe which we are part of it part of it if you think about it like uh, we don't think about it from that perspective because we don't look at the universe now in the universe is the earth in the earth is the humans and the humans is is me what even if we are, i am 0.0001% contributing to the universe i am still a contributor to the universe right so somewhere if you think about uh, like if you think from that perspective i or i am the universe yes i am a part of it i am contributing to it now if i am that means i do have a lot of energy which i don't know about there's a lot of limitless potential inside of me which i'm unaware of it right because we don't look at us uh, us as individuals or humans from that perspective this is a part of us which we can if we start looking at right and tell ourselves okay if i am a part of the universe and if i have a source of energy within me what is that source of energy do i know what kind of energy i have within me do i know my potential do i know who i am and if i start looking at myself from that perspective of me having limitless potential from me having that limitless energy and a source of energy which is a part of this universe if i start looking at myself from that perspective and understanding that and understanding my actions and thoughts contributing to this bigger consciousness or universe whatever you call it you start realizing how your actions are playing a role and attracting more but for that we have to break free from these limiting beliefs which says that no you can't do this you are not capable of doing it i am not enough or i am not uh, smart enough i'm not intelligent enough it is not for me all of these beliefs are negative beliefs which are not allowing us to actually access into our true potential 
right? But if I don't access my true potential, I'm not connecting to the universe. I'm not connecting to the true source, which I call, as I said, this is the source, right? And we are a part of that source. But once we do, once we start believing in ourselves, and that's the keyword, belief is the keyword here. Once we start believing in ourselves, that understanding that we also are contributors in some way, that our thoughts and emotions are some way contributing to this universe. And at the same time, this, whatever I have, this spirit, soul, whatever you may call it, this energy that I have within me is limitless and it has a lot of potential if I start believing in it. And then when I start believing in it and I start thinking, so I do visualizations in my meditations and it's freaky at times <laughs> when I started doing it. I have had things come my way, which is uh, like surprisingly, I, ne- I never tried before. It's only when I started doing it myself. I've started people, people have started giving me books. People have started calling me up for opportunities. Like I would think about like, okay, I want to do something for something. And even this uh, talk, for instance, you know, I would think about it. Uh, do, you know, I want to do this. And it would just be a thought that I'm sending out into the universe. And someone would approach me and be like, you know what, would you be interested in doing this talk? Right? But it's only because I thought it's possible when I send out that thought. When I thought that, I thought it's possible. It was not in a negative source that, you know, will it be possible or I can't do this or I'm not capable. I thought that, okay, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. So it was a very positive uh, uh, statement that I sent out, a thought with a lot of belief in it. And that's when it starts coming, when you attract uh, into yourself. The law of attraction only works. The key word in the law of attraction is belief. Interesting. And uh, I myself have experienced this many times uh, I was sharing in the previous one of the previous healing circle that something I imagined 10 years back has happened with me two years back. So it happens and I don't know how it happens, but yes. So uh, when we know that it works, the power of attraction, law of attraction or beliefs or what we visualize as well, we use it in the right direction, in the positive direction to heal Absolutely. ourselves, to, uh, to see what we want to achieve. Uh, yeah. So for cancer patients, especially, um, we talk about self-healing. We talk about, I, I know many people uh, personally who have healed themselves even from last stage cancer with uh, uh, with medical treatment, without medical treatment, with healing like that. And then it's just wonderful the way it works. So all those people who are currently going through the treatment, going through the journey, uh, my only request will be to all of you to... Uh, Focus on your inner self and then just talk to yourself. Yes, I can overcome this. I will be all right. I will be fine. Or just say, I am fine. It's okay. Just a phase which will pass on and everything is good. It's just a a temporary phase where I have to take medicines. And like we all take fever medicine for five days, something it's just like that. I have to take for five months and then I'm going to be fine. So it's not end of life. It's nothing like that. It's just a phase and we are going to go uh, overcome this. So it, it works. And many of, you know, um, yeah, yeah. And many of people have healed themselves with this thought of, you know, self-healing. So um, yeah, one of, uh, it. What happens is when anything that you repeat to yourself now, because a lot of people, uh, like I do, I tell people to do affirmations. Now, affirmations are similar. It's a simple, positive, present tense sentence, like saying, I am enough, I can do this, I'm healthy, wealthy, uh, alive, and all of these things. But anything that you repeat again and again and again, as I said about the driving also, it becomes a pattern, a subconscious act in your brain, it becomes a program eventually in your mind. And now, even when you're not knowing, your mind and body will work from that space because it's become a program in your mind. It becomes a part of your subconscious mind. 
right? And that is the reason it's so important to repeat it again and again. You might think, and as I said, believing in it makes it even more stronger to make it a part of your subconscious mind. Every time I say I'm fine, even if it's for a second saying like I am healthy, uh, prosperous, alive, I can do this and all of the, that second of belief will make it even more stronger to make it a program in your mind. And then eventually it becomes automatic and then your cells are working from that space. Yes, because this, this is where your CPU is. This is where the program is. And this is where the signals, these signals are sent to your cells. And if you're interested, I mean, there are a lot of scientists who have worked along this, by the way. A lot of scientists who have worked along this uh, line where they have used uh, power of the mind in the sense of using visualizations, even the body uh, in the sense of movement or, uh, you know, you alternating a movement from right side to left side. If your right side is not moving, your left side is used to use the right side of the brain and, you know, use the neuroplasticity of the brain to help rewire the brain. And that's possible, by the way, rewiring your brain. And for a long time, a lot of us have thought that, you know, our brain is hardwired and uh, that, you know, it only works a particular way. No, you can change that. But it's again through repetition and patterns. Because um, there's this scientist called Norman Dewitch. He's written uh, books on it. So he's collected stories from various neuroplasticians. Uh, there are two books. There's one is Brain's Way of Healing and The Brain That Changes Itself. So the first book, there's The Brain That Changes Itself, talks about, uh, you know, how the brain can be rewired. So one of the ways, as I said, is by repetitions, visualization, writing things multiple times. Again, we're just rewiring the path, the neural path that is the circuit. If you think about it as a circuit, which is hardwired into your brain, it can be changed, rerouted in your mind. Yes. So scientists have done that and they've used visualizations to uh, cure physical illnesses. Chronic pain has been relieved in an individual by just doing a visualization um, process for like six to seven, eight weeks. Of course, it takes time and determination and your dedication into it. But yes, um, there was this case where an individual had uh, chronic spine uh, pain injury, injury. So her back pain injury, it was there for years. It was chronic pain and there's nothing, no medicines, nothing helped her, nothing. Uh, there was no solution any doctor found because it was like chronic pain. It was only temporary. She could take a painkiller and that was it. But she worked with a neuroplastician that is one of the individuals who worked with rewiring the mind and the, the property of uh, neuroplasticity uh, with visualizations for continuous six to seven, eight weeks and the pain was gone. So it's possible, but only your belief in it and your work in yourself and constantly telling yourself that I can and believing in that will help you to rewire that uh, mind and program. Okay, great. What is the name of the book you just mentioned? So there are two books by Norman Dewish. One is Brain's Way of Healing and The Brain That Changes Itself. Both of them are brilliant books uh, on the line. And there's another one which I uh, which uh, works along the line of belief system, as I mentioned, is called The Biology of Belief. I just told you a little bit about the belief system here, but it is very elaborately, a little along the science line. So more biology and things are considered in it. But The Biology of Belief talks about this biologist who iterates properly how changes happen in the cellular level, level with environmental signals that are observed and shows that, you know, the cell always works for survival. If you look at amoeba, like unicellular organisms, any organisms, right, they always work for survival. So in an environment, if, for example, there's scarcity of water, 
So it will try to conserve the water which is within, right? So now the normal mechanism of this cell has changed. It will adapt to it, right? So similarly, if the environmental signals are toxic, your cell can adapt to that situation to be able to be comfortable in that situation accordingly. This is how a lot of scientists have learned that the genes mutate. If a cell is in an environment which is not favorable and, uh, you know, seeing that it is not getting all the nourishment it needs, so it will mutate. The normal mechanism will change because it needs to adapt to this situation now. And that change is not, is not the normal cell which is there, how a normal cell works. And that somewhere triggers the genes which causes the cancer or various, various illness and elicits illness eventually in chronic stages. Yes. So yeah, yeah, these books are immense uh, uh, knowledge that you will get about, uh, you know, this belief system and how these things affect you. And it can change your perspective absolutely about the healing process. Right. And um, we say that uh, meditation and some of the yes. emotional, well, mental wellness practices, it helps in recovery. Absolutely. And we often get this question that how does exactly it happens? How meditation heals yes. your body? Thank you for asking that. So I love talking about meditation because I've seen such beautiful uh, benefits of meditation in people. So one of the first misconceptions, because when people go into meditation, they have a big misconception that, uh, you know, I have to sit and work on the thoughts or like, you know, I'll always get thoughts in my mind when I sit to meditate, right? So I can't meditate, right? A lot of the time this happens. This is the reason a lot of people don't continue meditating because when they sit by themselves, a lot of thoughts come up surface because these are the thoughts that we've been maybe suppressing and they surface during meditation. Now, during this time, what I observe in a lot of my clients, they say the same. I tell them to just maybe reframe those thoughts at that moment or just observe it. But the benefits now, how does it benefit when you meditate? Like, for example, this is you. Okay, this is you and meditation is a process to connect to your inner source, right? To your inner you, to your inner, whatever, blissful state, whatever you may call it. That is a simple, if people ask what is meditation is about, meditation is about connecting to the inner you. Yes. Now, when you try to connect to your inner you, with time, we have got so many limiting beliefs about us, so many conflicted beliefs about us. When you try to connect to your inner you, those are the things which are going to come up. First, and that's the reason all these wandering thoughts and negative thoughts come up normally when you sit to meditate. So how meditation helps you is your meditation is actually helping you getting awareness about this negative thought that you have. These negative beliefs, these blocks and walls that you've created against your real you, which you have, which are coming up. So in this process, if you do have, for example, if any of you all are um, practicing meditation and you feel like this thought keeps coming up, every time I sit to meditate and this thought keeps coming up, be aware now that this is something which is blocking you, right? And now the action bit. Now that you're aware, the important part is action on it. That is where the change happens. Most of the times we sit with the awareness, like, okay, now I know this is the block within me, but what do I do about it? I don't know. Okay, if you don't know, of course, you can ask for help for it. But if you don't know, then you can take action to it. Because that's where the change happens. Now, when you've worked on this block, this layer of you, which has been blocking you, will open up. And now you're getting more closer to your inner self. What happens in this process? Your inner resources are getting more strengthened. At the same time, you're getting more and more comfortable being with yourself in that moment now. And you're training your mind to come back to you in that moment every time you sit to meditate. 
we are not used to doing that. We're always used to going back to the past and future. I think I lost her, but I'm, I hope everything's good. I'm here. I'm just putting okay. in charge. No problem. Yes. So whenever you sit to meditate, what we're doing is we're training our mind to be more in the present, which we're not used to doing. We're always thinking about the future. We're always thinking about the past. But when we train our mind to be in the present, we are finally accessing all of the energy that we have in our life. Because if you think about it, all the energy you have in your life is always only in the present moment. Right? The energy that I have in my body right now, it's only in this present moment. This life, this life that I have is not there in my future. It's not there in the past. The life that I have, the energy that I have in me is only in this present moment. And the more you tend to tell yourself, I mean, tend to train yourself to be in this present, the more you tend to allow yourself to be in that lively moment of yours. And that is like happiness to yourselves because you're energizing yourself. You're recharging yourselves at that point of time. But when you're going, taking your mind to the past and the future, we're going through hustle or we're going through something negative and losing out this energy that we have here. So if you ask anyone, if whenever you sit to think about past and future, you feel drained. What is the reason? Because you're not accessing the energy that you have here. But when you learn to meditate and train your mind to be here, you get more and more comfortable with yourself as one because you learn to understand your negative thoughts and work on it. Second is we train our minds to be in the present moment, be more mindful in this moment. And third is you're actually accessing your energy now and vibrating in that energy more, which to yourselves is like recharge, right? So it has beautiful effects on you as, uh, as a healthy individual or even anyone who is dealing with any kind of illness because you're giving it more charge and energy to heal. It's like positive uh, energy that you're giving to it all the time. Okay, that's really a beautiful explanation uh, in a very simple language. How Thank you. can work. <laughs> yeah, I've seen um, wonderful, uh, you can say, results of meditation. And uh, it's really uh, good, simple, easy to do, but then yet it is difficult to do. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. So meditation is not like, a, it's not a one-time thing. It's actually a practice. So like yoga, right? When you talk about yoga, yoga is a practice. Meditation is a practice. There's a reason it's called a practice because you're actually practicing to do it now. When the first time you do it, you might not be able to do it the right way. But even if you sit for five seconds and that's what I always tell my clients, is like, you know what? It's okay. First few times, if you sit and you're not able to concentrate for more than five to 10 seconds, it's all right. Keep doing it. Keep doing it consistently till you are able to. It will increase with time only. That is how it is. But everyone goes into meditation thinking that, you know what, I need to be able to sit five, 10 minutes like this. And that's when they get demotivated to do more about it. Right, right. So, uh, Dr. Vidya, you uh, also practice hypnotherapy. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've heard about it. And uh, uh, so yeah. I've been, you know, uh, I've been uh, doing research on many of the modalities of healing uh, or you can say complementary and alternative therapy for yeah. cancer patients. And hypnotherapy is a therapy on which I'm yet to come to a conclusion. So right. it's good that we are having uh, this session today on the same okay. So, and I've been, you know, like uh, many patients uh, ask me about this. So, but still, uh, uh, there is more research to do in this space, I believe. So, can you please throw some light on this and how it helps cancer patients? Sure. So, in the process of healing, if you're talking, if I'm talking about just about physical illnesses for now, for now, because there's a lot of things uh, I can tell you about it, and right, but I can just tell you basically what, how we use the tools of hypnotherapy. So, how I also came about it in my 
journey as well. So when I started studying the mind and I started studying, studying the power of the mind, we all understand the importance of the subconscious mind here. The subconscious mind is where all of these memories and experiences, our programming, our belief system, our identity, everything is stored, right? And it's also what controls us 90% of the times. It is also where your programming of your body, of you, has been stored, is the subconscious mind. So now how do we access that? For example, if I have an, a limiting belief, if I have an unhealthy programming which is affecting me mentally or physically, right? Because it does show. Anything mentally shows physically as well, right? And if it is coming from somewhere deep-rooted, and normally most of our illnesses is coming from deep-rooted causes and beliefs, right? How do I access that? And hypnotherapy, hypnosis, is a way of accessing your subconscious mind. and. Through hypnotherapy now, I can help an individual, facilitate an individual of accessing your deep-rooted causes of anything. So in case of cancer patients, what I have observed is um, the emotional source now, most of the time in case of cancer patients, is there's maybe a lot of resentment in an individual, maybe a lot of anger, maybe a lot of suppressed sadness, maybe a lot of uh, conflict within Right? The patterns that I have seen, but most commonly what I've seen is anger and resentment. A lot of suppressed emotion, which shows that anger eventually, but there's a lot of um, unexpressed emotions people have stored and been there for a very long time. From And this, this comes from childhood, not just like adulthood, right? Like long-term suppression of emotions, which is stored in the mind. And so if you uh, look at it in the form of cellular level, it is unhappy cells. Like a lot of angry and unhappy cells. Now, how do angry cells look? They are red and inflamed, right? Now, if you think about it, if cells are inflamed for a very long time, they will become diseased, isn't it? Right? So that's what happens at a cellular level when there's a lot of emotional energy which has been suppressed within you. It does show somewhere in your body and the cells get inflamed or uh, you know, diseased eventually. Now, if there is an emotional source where all of this suppression has happened, right? Normally, there is, which I have observed in clients. I have seen in a lot of clients where uh, individuals have a lot of anger towards their parents, a lot of uh, unresolved uh, trauma, unresolved emotions, and most of these unresolved trauma and emotions are stored there. I help access that and help them let go of that from that level. Because at that level, even you develop a belief about yourself. Right. For example, I can give you if a, a child has gone through uh, an unhealthy relationship with his father, yes, and has not never received love from his father, and his father's maybe uh, physically and mentally abused him, right? Now, there's a lot of emotions he, as a child, that that child went through and was not able to express, right? Maybe which turned into anger and a lot of other things and wanted to question the father, a lot of things. And, and this is a true case that I'm talking about. So, all of those emotions were always stored with that child. Never been able to express it, never been able to express to anyone being an only child. Right? So it's always stored there. Now, at that space also, that child also believed that maybe my father doesn't love me. And that is the reason that he doesn't talk to me. That is the reason he doesn't give me attention. That is the reason that uh, he beats me up or whatever. So there and then, now he has a belief about himself as well. Starts questioning himself or looking at himself from a different perspective. And... Let me tell you, first seven years of your life is where you develop the concept of self as well. 
So now there is a concept of self-development there and a very strong acquisition towards self as well. Now, the, at in a hypnotherapy level, at a hypnosis level, we do an inner child work here and I help the individual to have a compassionate conversation at a subconscious level with the child and let go of all the emotions maybe, which is anger or whatever that is uh, that that child wanted to express. At the same time, change that programming that child had at that instance. So if that child felt that his father didn't love him or he's not lovable or he doesn't deserve love and compassion or if that child felt like he's not worthy or worthless, change that at a subconscious level by, you know, involving the conscious mind, of course, consciously involving that mind and telling that inner child that, you know, you're worthy, you're happy, you're enough. And it's a beautiful experience at a subconscious level when I see this happening. And that inner child, that part of you, is finally feel relieved because someone has, you know, just given that compassion and love that that part of you has been waiting for. And that causes a shift because if you imagine it again, that is an unhappy part of you. It is a part of you which is unhappy and it's been there for so long in your subconscious and now it's finally let go off and that emotional charge has been released and filled with a healthy, happy space and positive space. And now the cells are happy again because they've received the nourishment, as I mentioned about the cellular level, right? If it receives nourishment, it thrives. If it doesn't, it adapts to that situation and becomes unhappy or diseased or whatever, right? And now it's reached a happy space. And this changes the subconscious level of your, you know, how you look at yourself as well. How that individual looks at himself also changes at a, at a you know, in the, at this aspect of even future situations. Because that part of you which felt that he was not loved or deserved or worthless now doesn't feel that way. And this is a very experiential uh, process, of course. I'm just giving you an idea of how it goes about. But it's only when you experience it where you understand how this goes. But yes, at a subconscious level, this is possible uh, to let go of uh, past trauma, to let go of, to reprogram that past trauma, past trauma to reprogram beliefs. Right? That's the only way, actually, through hypnosis or repetition. Two ways of reprogramming your mind is through hypnosis or repetition. And if you uh, know, first seven years of our life as a child, the child's brain waves, that is our brain waves, works at theta level. Theta level, that is low vibration. So it is in a receptive state. First seven years of a child, a child is in a receptive state. So everything that he sees or learns, he receives and stores. and Hypnosis is in the same state. In hypnosis, your brain waves are always in a theta state. It is, in a, it is a state of reception. So it is very easily possible to reprogram at that state again, whatever that uh, child learned at that level. And that's how it helps in a very long space of mental or physical well-being of an individual. Okay, wonderful. Okay, thanks for sharing that. My absolute pleasure. I, I have seen the benefits in myself and during this because when I learned hypnosis uh, from my mentor, uh, I actually had just gone with the purpose of learning it. Being a doctor, I was like, oh, I'll just do the research and, you know, uh, and study it and go. But uh, I understood that, you know, there's a lot of reprogramming needed in me when I went into the process. And I went through the process myself, of course. I went to my mentor and I was like, by the end of the whole course, I was like, no, no, I need a lot of reprogramming myself, a lot of beliefs that I have, which have limited me, which needs to change because I want to be a free space. You know, I want my mind to be a free space and not a limited space. I want my cells to thrive rather than to be in a 
succumbed state, right? So a lot of change was needed to be done, of course, on myself as well, to be able to come on this, in this line of work. Yes. Right. Um, so uh, coming back to cancer, uh, there's a phase comes in the journey where, uh, yes, I mean, uh, before that, when doctor told you six months and yes, nobody wants to believe that. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not true. It's not true in all the cases. So yes, it's okay if you don't believe it. But, uh, because um, you nobody can say how much time. And I've been hearing this a lot of times in last few days. Dr. Nessa, yesterday somebody messaged me that I will die along with my wife. And I was like, I mean, the whichever way I handle that situation. But, you know, uh, uh, the, before talking to me, the person messaged me that you also don't say that she has six months to live. I was like, I never, I, I don't believe in that. So why would I tell you that? And then I explained to him that, you know, what is six months and why it's not always true and the median and the survival and everything else as well. And then I also explained him that, okay, if you want to connect to four stage survivors, I can connect you. Uh, but anyway, so when that uh, phase comes, when doctor tells you six months, and then yes, most of people don't believe in it. But still, because they heard from the doctor, it's somewhere in their subconscious right. mind. And then um, at uh, in, uh, on one side, they don't want to believe it. On the second uh, side, they know it. So why did even the doctor tell you that? And now uh, uh, it's really... Uh, Difficult to be in that situation now. And then you try everything, anything possible in this world to save that person. Uh, You try all the healing techniques and yes, many people have recovered from it. So I believe that uh, till the time the person is breathing, there is always a hope and let's work towards that. So that's what I tell to all my patients. And now a phase comes when uh, you see uh, uh, that you're losing uh, your loved one. So, and it's, uh, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily with cancer, but with any other chronic illness or with age also, it can be the death right. could be to any other factor as well. So um, now when we talk about cancer and when you know that you are uh, losing your patient, uh, maybe, you know, in a few weeks or in a few days time, and that's a phase, uh, maybe, you know, we can call um, uh, end of life care. So, mm-hmm. but not everybody is able to have that discussion because, uh, they haven't accepted it first and it's okay right. that you have not accepted that it's end of life because yes we always have hope so it's okay not to accept that right. he's going to die in few weeks but then also you know that it can happen but you don't want to think about it because right. you believe that if you think about it then the power of attraction it might happen so then you want to avoid that altogether i did the same that i never talked about it never thought about the, the people who talked about it i never talked to them again in my life right. so now but then when he passed away i think that what you know that i wish i had those discussions with him so mm-hmm. that i you know could um, uh, i could know uh, how he wanted to die or mm-hmm. how he wanted to spend the list of you know like few days or few weeks like that so mm-hmm. but then um, so this is the end of life conversation i'm talking about so nobody wants to do it with their loved ones but then you feel that somewhere it's needed so how can we manage the situations well dimple in this situation i think it should be left this choice needs to be left to the individual itself right to choose whether they want to accept it or whether they don't want to accept it as well because each person has a, a choice to do that but at the same time if you're a caregiver and you know if you know that one of my my loved one is 
may be going to die in the next few weeks or months, right? And uh, understand that maybe I should talk about it. Because if you think about it, you as you said, you know, I thought that I should have talked of her, spoken to him. Maybe I should have uh, asked him how he wants to die. But that's you talking. Yeah. I mean, in real life, we can't do that. Yes, because that's you talking. Because you thought that you should give him some more. You wanted, you had that connection. You had that compassion for him, and it's out of your space of compassion. I absolutely understand that. Yes, right. Of course, as a caregiver, we want to make it as beautiful as possible for them, make it as wonderful as possible for them, and make sure that maybe you know, in the last few days, be beautiful and good, and like happy for them as much as we can do for them, right? But at the same time, it's their choice. We need to give them that space of choice to. Uh, you know, in this understand if they want to accept that or if they want to, how they want to live with it. That being said, you can still uh, make uh, the last few days beautiful from your spec, uh, from your side without verbal communication, yeah. but just non-verbal communication, right? Make it beautiful for both of you for, so that you feel uh, complete and they feel complete, right? Because what happens is in, when you connect with an individual, there is an emotional attachment. And as a caregiver, you have a lot of emotional attachment to that individual. There's a lot of love and compassion that you have both given to each other. And there is an attachment. Now, why we feel so um, uncomfortable once they have gone is maybe we feel like it was incomplete. Maybe I didn't complete it properly. Right? Maybe uh, I should have done something else. And or he should or we should have done something. So we can always uh, choose from our end how you would like to complete it. But you can, you know, you cannot um, choose for them. Yes, that's a choice they need to make. How they would like to uh, look at the end. If they would like to accept it, or if they would like to go fighting and be like that, I fought till the end. That's again a choice we would have to leave up to them and respect it, right? However, it may be. I know for us it might be difficult, but it is their choice in the end. Yes. True. Yeah. But you know, um, sometimes it happens when, uh, uh, so I have experienced it and uh, some of other caregivers also. So I never had end of life conversations because if I talk about death to him, mm-hmm. he might think that Dimple has given up. Dimple has no hope and that is why she's talking about end of life. While she has been the strong pillar or solid pillar for me, taking all the decisions on my behalf all this time. And now she's talking about death. It means that, yes, I am dying. So all this while he has not accepted this, that he is dying. But now he might think because one of one of his you know, important caregivers is saying that, okay, she's talking about death. Now, I never talked about it because... I thought that if I talk to him about death, even if when he's not thinking about it, coming from the caregiver, he might start thinking about it. And because of that, the power of attraction might work and he might die early. So yeah. that was a circle we were, you know, that he knew what's coming. I knew what's coming. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. you're not accepting it. So, Absolutely. yeah. So that's what, so we think that, you know, they're not thinking about it, but. They are thinking about it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Honestly, yeah. if you think about it, they are thinking about it too. Of course, how can they not? It's just that, and he might be thinking the same, maybe. Like, you know what, if I talk about it, Dimple will give up, maybe. Yeah, right, right. right? So yeah. now, if you have, 
if you would have also spoken about it or not spoken about it that we might not know how it would go how it would not go we cannot talk about that of course but then again uh, if that person has chosen to uh, keep you also in a safe space and they thought about your emotions and decided not to talk about it well maybe that was their choice isn't it yeah that was his choice right so you need to just respect that me like okay i understand and if you feel for yourself if you feel like you've had an incompletion and if you feel like you wanted to say something you can still do it but not to do i mean you don't have to do it personally to him but you can maybe write a letter and write it down somewhere because there is a, a space of you which wanted to express which i feel like right now as i talk to you right and i if you don't suppress it maybe take a piece of paper and let it out somewhere and you will feel complete and you know trust me how as i spoke about the whole system we are all one in the end if you want to send out a message it will reach there right so you can just maybe write it on a piece of paper and it will right. reach it's supposed to reach so and that will make you feel complete with him right <laughs> thank you yeah so there is a question now uh, when can a person use healed i am healed now mm-hmm. himself how can one know if he or she is healed yes so to use the term healed if i had to say so i recently read this term and so heal if you talk about it uh, is not just like in the old english it was called healen healen i don't know how it's pronounced but it was not only to mean to cure it means to make whole right to make whole means to make com- to be complete right so in the process of healing be it physical or mental health illnesses if you reach a space where you feel like yourself again if you reach a space where you feel like you are content with yourself if you reach a space that you feel like your mind and body is in this moment and happy with it and content with it with the change that has brought about whatever has happened and reach a space where you feel it's a better space to be you are healed you're whole again you're complete with yourself again right and it does not have to mean that um you know you because healing is a term used for is it's when you talk about healing it's actually in our mind is the healing process is starts with our in our mind and if i tell if i'm diagnosed with cancer for example and if i tell myself a uh, couple of years i took treatment and everything but in my mind the cancer is more stronger than in my body if you think about it if you think about any healing journey it's in the mind which is much more tormenting rather than what's going on in your body because you can't see it in your body but in your mind it's there right but when you start getting comfortable with it or even you know understanding and accepting yourself and understanding that i am complete now i've learned this i've done this i've done that and now i've reached a space okay this is it i'm comfortable with this right now and reach a space where you understand i am here i am in this moment i'm in content with it i am healed hey yes got it uh, there's another question does being conscious about our negative thoughts help us manage our mental and emotional health as well so uh, there's another stress with people uh, because everybody says that be positive but then the situation in which we are right now we cannot be positive all the time and if you even if the negative thoughts comes in um, that's more stressful because oh my god that person told me to be positive but i am not being positive right now i'm being negative and that is causing more stress to me so Absolutely. how do one handle such situation yes so 
being conscious about our negative thought helps in a way if you take action about it so what happens is we have a few thoughts which are automatic these some of our negative thoughts are very automatic something happens is negative thought comes up something happens a negative thought comes up so now if there is a negative thought within you and you have learned that uh, this is coming up again and again you either act on it right if possible if you can act on it do something about it take action because sometimes we just accept it and now acceptance can be in two ways it can either be helplessly that you know this is my negative thought and the other one can be with responsibility saying okay this is my negative thought what can i do to change it right instead of pressurizing yourself and be like you know how can i get a negative thought that's normal we all can have negative thoughts from the way we've been conditioned and experienced in our life it's possible to have negative thoughts come in our way we cannot be always positive but when you get a negative negative thought observe it and ask yourself what do you want to do with it right if do you want to keep it do you want to act on it what do you want to do with it instead of pressurizing yourself and there's this thing called uh, toxic positivity right you can't be positive all the time right it's okay if a negative thought comes up if you want to do something about it then yes work on it but if you don't want to do anything about it and sit with it then it's going to come up again and again and if it's coming up again and again it's better to work on it act and act on it so that it changes permanently and never comes up again right and that's going to help you because in fact it's going to change a lot of things for you uh, as a person and an individual when you look at life as well great yes. thank you um uh, thank you yeah uh, if anybody has any question anju aunty uh, aapko kuch puchna hai hello anju aunty हेलो आपको कुछ क्वेश्चन है हाँ मैं काफी लेट जुड़ी अच्छा बट हीलिंग में मेरा पूरा विश्वास है कई बार मेरे को रात को नींद नहीं आती तो मैं बस के पूरे ब्रह्मांड की पॉजिटिव एनर्जी प्लीज अंजू चौहान को हील करो और दस मिनट में नींद आ जाती है ब्रह्मांड की जो एनर्जी होती है हम कभी भी एक्सेस कर सकते हैं क्योंकि हमारे अंदर भी वो एनर्जी है तो हम कभी भी उसको एक्सेस करके अपने अंदर रीएनर्जाइज में मतलब रीचार्ज कर सकते हैं अपने आप को राइट देयर इज अ क्वेश्चन ऑल्दो वी नो वी आर इन अ बैड स्टेट हाउ डू आई एक्सेप्ट चेंज समटाइम्स आई एक्सपीरियंस इट इन टर्म्स ऑफ फ्रस्ट्रेशन एंगर एक्सप्रेशन एंड देन पोस्ट द इंसिडेंट आई फील लाइक दैट जस्ट वाजंट मी एंड हाउ डिड आई डू इट व्हाट डू आई डू इन दोस टर्म्स यस आई अंडरस्टैंड when we understand it in a bad state and a lot of emotions might come up and as you mentioned in anger frustration and all of these things and uh, after a few minutes you might be feel like theek and i that wasn't me or me i shouldn't have reacted that way instead of looking at it from the perspective of that wasn't me or how did i do it or questioning that behavior just observe it and and maybe ask yourself okay something inside of me led to this expression i don't know what it is yes but there is something inside of me which is feeling this so address it because it doesn't come out of nowhere you might not know where it's coming from i agree you might not know where it's coming from but if you just accept it ki yes this came out of me and try to understand okay there's something inside of me where this is came coming about from then this more clarity that you will get and you might be able to maybe look at it from a perspective of understanding yourself better rather than you know because when you ask yourself how did i do it what did i do it or why did i do it you're being harsh on yourself 
So, you know, a part of you is angry and frustrated with things. So now if you ask that part of you, why did you do it or how did you do it? That part of you is not going to reply. That part of you is not going to tell you. And that part of you is going to get more angry. Like, why are you questioning me? Right? So instead, just be like, okay, I understand now a part of me is angry. A part of me is frustrated. I don't know where it's coming from, but I understand it is. And maybe with time, when you get start being more understanding towards your emotions, you'll start understanding where it's coming from as well. But if you're not understanding and if you tell yourself why, why, which, why you shouldn't have, you couldn't have and all of these things, it will just increase the same anger and frustration more and more. So he's asking um, exactly, uh, well, is it a spirit or can it be a spirit? All right. So uh, whoever this asks this question, is it a spirit? You No, uh, I would like to answer you yourself have a spirit inside of you, right? If we talk, talk about yourself, we have a soul inside of us. And it is a part of this you, which is angry and frustrated. And this part of your, you maybe is angry and frustrated because you have suppressed it for a very long time and you're not looking at it and acknowledging it as well. And that is the reason you feel like it's not a part of you because you've suppressed it so long. right? And now also when you ask the question, you, ask, you keep asking, uh, how did I do it? Why did I do it? It is a part of you which has been maybe suppressed for a very long time that you have not addressed. And now it's showing an anger and frustration because long-term suppression leads to anger most of the time. Long-term suppression and repression leads to anger and frustration. So if you don't understand by, it so, by yourself, that's okay. You can obviously ask for professional help for that. Yes. And if you do uh, express your, you know, to get help, you might get deeper understanding of where it's coming from and then you can work on it. But be more understanding towards it rather than judging it and being harsh on that part of you. Hey. Thank you. Um, Nehul, uh, do you have any questions? Would you like to share anything? Anything you felt, you know, similar experiences? Yeah, thank you, Dr. Vidya, for uh, such a nice um, conversation and session. And uh, I, I do relate to a lot of uh, things that you were saying. Um, I'm a stage four cancer. I was given a month to survive mm -hmm. uh, seven years now. Mm -hmm. uh, so, wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So uh, the first thing, like uh, the power of attraction, like Dimple knows well, like I keep talking about it all the time. So I did not believe in all those things before, but then I started feeling it. Like when I was in treatment, I kept reading books on people who survived cancer and how they worked on it. And uh, then that made me think, yeah, and I did practice it. Yeah. I did feel, okay, I'm thinking of this. Although I don't get everything of that, at least uh, I'm, I'm somewhere close to it. And then I started telling people about my experience. Then they, they came up with, yeah, yeah, we feel the same. And then, it, yeah, it really works for, for us. Like, yeah. So that definitely works. At least it makes you feel good. Absolutely. You know? and, and, and I do believe the mind is the most powerful thing in, in your human in Absolutely. Human because uh, no offense to doctors, but when I speak to uh, people, you know, who are in negative thoughts and they say, the doctor said this and that. So I tell them, see, doctor is a human being. He's not God. So... He's going to ask you 10 questions. You know, uh, where is your uh, pet dukra, sar dukra, chakkarara, you know. He's going to ask you questions and he's going to make, see which algorithm fits your, uh, in your, your, your body. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to describe those medicines. Okay, this algorithm, this is the, the derivation. So I kind of make them feel good. Like, it is your mind. I'm feeling good. So that really, uh, really helps a lot. But yeah, um, 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 when I was in treatment, um, 
I was here in the US, but I was treated in James Cancer in Columbus. So there were people, uh, they were healers mm-hmm. who used to come in the hospital, which I didn't see in India. Right. But I was confused, like, why are these people here? Like, I'm not dying. And they, they used to come in, uh, like, hypo, like, uh, hypothecate and all, all those things. Right. It was new to me. But now I relate, yeah, it's really good. It changes your state of mind. Absolutely. And that's a, uh, it's along with the medicine, it really helps. So, like, Dimple does the healing sessions. I, I make, it's morning for me here, Sunday morning, but I make sure I, I wake up and I'm, I'm here to listen. It makes me feel good somehow and it energizes me. So, Definitely, we need people like you and sessions like Bimpan uh, does every, every yeah. two, you know, to, to rejuvenate yourself and get energized and okay, now. Absolutely, absolutely. Well. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks, it's, both of you. <laughs> it's lovely to hear from you. And absolutely, as you mentioned, right, in the law of attraction, the more you do it, the more stronger it gets. And something, as you mentioned about doctors, right, it's true. So... You know what, with time, uh, if you look back very, very long back, and if you actually go back into studying um, how science developed, you know, hypocrites and all these olden uh, healers actually dependent on the body's intelligence for healing first, right? Back then, it was only on the body's intelligence that everything was developed. But with time, of course, a lot of, uh, you know, we started using nature to, um, how do I put it, uh, to own it to own nature in our uh, capacity, right? Humans try to own nature in our capacity. So we started developing things which we can put, you know, take control of. So for example, if we understood something in our body needs this, we started to make medicines for it more and more, you know, because this human's greedy mechanism uh, developed that, right? Like, uh, we need this more, we'll make this more, make that more. And what happened is now with time, that is how maybe it started. We started depending on that more than our own inner resource. So for example, yeah, yeah. small elements like calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, all of that is already in our body. When we understood this, now we started telling uh, people, okay, this is good for us. So what happened? People started making calcium supplements, magnesium vitamins, and all of these things outside from the body, right? Whereas we actually get it from our food and nourishment. Now, when, when we, this started developing, now what people do, they don't eat nutritious food. They have vitamin supplements instead of having nutritious food. Exactly, right? yeah. So what happened in this process is now the body's intelligence reduced. The body's awareness and intelligence reduced because this is the programming now which has been sent forward from back in the days to now. Now the programming which has been passed forward to our generation is that our body needs something else to heal, to be nourished and to be supported. Right? Yeah, even... um... Yes. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yes. No, go ahead, go ahead. Please do share. Yeah, even like you were talking about the state of mind, you know, subconscious. So I just saw a movie recently, in, uh, Inception. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, it makes you, you know, go in a different world altogether. Like, yes. man, you can you can make a create a duplicate self of yourself. You know, you can go in a different world. And, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, if this is possible, like that would be so great. Absolutely. But uh, I was thinking of that movie when you were talking about the subconscious mind and yes. uh, something like that. When we go to the inner child world, you feel like you're in different uh, space, but it's <laughs> yeah. that we are accessing. Yeah. Yes, that's thing, right. So, and that is what we uh, we can reprogram. So, in the beginning, I don't know if you've uh, heard uh, when Dimple mentioned my 
process, way of healing, it is deconditioning first and then yeah, reconditioning, yeah. right? Because we have been conditioned with a lot of limiting beliefs. So we have to first break free from that to inculcate back the actual natural healthy beliefs, which have always been there within us, right? But we never accessed and uh, never encouraged and, you know, strengthened, right? So that is the process I bring about. And if an individual actually tries to tap into our inner, our own inner resources, we don't need anything else uh, for our survival because God made us with everything we need in our body to deal with situations and things in our life. I agree, yeah. Yes. Great. Uh, I mean, wonderful session, uh, very informative. And most of us could relate to what you shared today because... Uh, uh, जो हम एक्सपीरियंसेस शेयर कर रहे थे एक दूसरे के साथ में एंड हमें लगा कि हाँ ऐसा कुछ मेरे साथ में भी हुआ है यस मेरे साथ ही अभी भी हुआ था सो व्हेन वी टॉक अबाउट हीलिंग और माइंड और इमोशंस और थिंग्स लाइक दिस मोस्ट ऑफ अस गो थ्रू द सेम थिंग्स इन दिस कैंसर जर्नी स्पेशली एंड जस्ट दैट फेजेज आर डिफरेंट For me, it happened in first month. Somebody, it will happen in fourth month, like that. But then we all go through the similar phases in this journey, and what uh, brings us all together is that journey and uh, the common purpose, common cause for which we all are here. And that's what motivates me to do it every Sunday with all of you. And Mehul, पता है कभी मुझे लगता है कि कौन से sad Sunday बैठ लूँ? ऑनेस्टली बोल रही कभी लगता है कौन सा संडे ब्रेक लू फिर लगता है नहीं उसमें प्रॉब्लम तो होता है कि सैटरडे इवनिंग इज यूजुअली माय टाइम आई फाइन पार्टिंग और समथिंग एंड आई हैव टू थिंक अरे कल उठना है सुबह बस कर अब दे शुड बी नॉट टोल्ड इन दिस सेशन बट या बट देन आई आई एंजॉय दिस मोर देन एनी अदर थिंग लाइक आई काइंड ऑफ आई आई मीट टू लाइक आई आई गेट टू मीट people like uh, dr vidya and i know so many people who join the session and i i open up my world even if this i be, I, I tell you you know what this uh, i'm working from home i've not been uh, from march uh, it's all work at home so it's a blessing in disguise if i would be going to office i would be in office at this time right. and uh, um, i would be not able to uh, meet and do all the things that i'm able to do now so there is a positive side in every negative side is what i learned agreed so every coin has two sides to negative mein positive kya ye dhoondo to you will start ignoring the negative part is like cancer people ask me uh, yaar cancer ho gaya tha ye i said man you know me because i had cancer right cancer made me famous i'm it's a blessing for me it's not a i am i'm very happy it happened to me i i i've changed now i've, I've been a very different person uske my life after cancer is the best like तो क्या हो गया ठीक तो हो सकते हो ना फिर भी कभी भी मैं वो कनेक्ट करवाऊंगी जब भी आपको करना है बट देन इट इज वेरी मच पॉसिबल तो and it's our thoughts our subconscious mind and it's we who is running our own uh, life around us how whichever way we want to do it so kal maine unko exactly yahi bola jis patient se meri raat ko baat chal rahi thi he said that uh, uh, i will die with my wife in 6 months and i was like ki nahi आप खुद भी स्ट्रेस ले रहे हो नेगेटिव बोल रहे हो और उनको भी नेगेटिव कर रहे हो सो so, अभी वो करते हैं जो कर सकते हैं 
एंड देन आई गेव अ प्लान टू हेम एंड क्योंकि पहले ये फिर ये फिर ये फिर ये ऐसे करेंगे आपके पास टाइम ही नहीं बचेगा ये सब सोचने का राइट नाउ यू डोंट हैव अ प्लान यू आर लॉस्ट एंड दैट इज व्हाई यू आर टॉकिंग अबाउट नेगेटिव थिंग्स सो लेट्स टेक वन स्टेप एट अ टाइम एंड देन फर्स्ट गेट दिस एंटी कैंसर लाइफस्टाइल चेंजेस मैंने उनको डॉक्यूमेंट दिया ओके आपको एक अच्छे डॉक्टर से मिलवाते हैं मंडे को फिर ये करते हैं फिर ये करते हैं आपका ये एडवांस टेस्ट हो सकता है इम्यूनोथेरेपी हो सकती है इम्यूनोथेरेपी से लोग ठीक होते हैं तो नो द एंटायर थिंग वॉज लाइक थैंक यू सो मच मैडम थैंक यू सो मच लेकिन ओके जैसा आप सोचोगे वैसा होगा सो फर्स्ट रिमूव कर दो इस लाइन को अपनी पहले तो जो भी आपका पूरा प्लान है बिकॉज द वाइफ इज वेरी यंग जस्ट थर्टी एट ईयर्स ओल्ड एंड किड्स ऑल्सो सो फॉर हिम इट्स अ बिग शॉक सो यस विद अवर थॉट्स वी कैन चेंज आवर लाइफ द वे यू वॉन्ट टू लीड इट एंड आई वेरी मच बिलीव इन द पावर ऑफ अट्रैक्शन द पावर ऑफ सबकॉन्शियस माइंड and uh, once again today uh, what you talked i could relate to it we all could relate to it so thank you so much for the learnings and your experiences yeah and thank you for taking your time out to share your uh, yeah, i think yeah. uh, anju anju ma'am wants to talk something i think she's raising yes yes mehul ji ne kaha ki after cancer meri life better hui hai to vastav mein meri bhi life bahut cool peaceful और इंजॉय करते हुए जीना और मतलब अब बस ये है रोज का जीना है ज्यादा सोचना नहीं है तो बहुत चेंज हुआ है बहुत चेंज लेने का नहीं देने का हाँ देने का बस देने का देने का लेने का नहीं नहीं अब टेंशन होती नहीं है अब हो गई जितनी टेंशन होनी थी हो गई अब कोई टेंशन नहीं होती बिल्कुल बिलीफ you know you know if you do you can just see overcome everything there's nothing stopping any one of us but us you know always nothing else stopping us but us so yeah believe in yourself and don't believe in anything else more than yourself right so believe more in yourself than anything else is the example of the power of attraction yes absolutely yes it is it is i was that's why i said dimple right you know i've always been wanting to do something like this uh, talk about talk connect with people and it just came to me it's, i'm telling you it always works in wonders yeah and, um, everything happens for a reason trust me everything happens for a reason jaise mehul ji ne aur anju ma'am ne bola ki meri life cancer ke baad bahut beautiful ho gayi hai so think about it maybe it was for a reason ki Life live kare in every day and every moment, right? So that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, great. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us in today's special talks. Thank you, Shakti, for sharing your experience and Anju 